Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, I'll add my thanks, uh, Larry, to uh, covering for us last week. And um, uh, I uh, was, uh, it took me a little extra to get um, uh, the lesson posted, but uh, it's posted on the, uh, on the podcast site if, uh, if any of you weren't here, so you can listen to that. Um, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, enjoyed uh, Larry's comments, of course, but I uh, really loved all the audience participation. Did a great job, Larry, getting all everybody involved with that, so I thought that was awesome. Um, it certainly makes it easier on the person up here when uh, it's a group effort, and um, so greatly appreciate that for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, it's well worth a listen if you, if you haven't, um, which you probably haven't because it was just posted <laughs> recently. Um, and then uh, Dad mentioned St. Patrick's Day. That's a lot of green out there. And um, you guys may have done what I did. And I'm like, you know, I've got this vague notion of who St. Patrick was. But uh, like most things, you know, America tends to um, uh, mess up uh, celebrations of holidays, especially if they have any sort of religious overtone. We do a pretty good job of squashing that out. But uh, so I, I looked up a few things which I thought were interesting. Uh, you guys may have read this. It said um, that, of course, uh, it commemorates uh, St. Patrick, who was, um, it, listen to this story, because this is from Wikipedia, so for what it's worth, it may not be perfect. But um, I'm going to bring up some parallels. So I want you to think about some of these things. Um, because it made me think a little bit about Moses. So it says he was a 5th century Romano-British Christian missionary and bishop. Um, it is believed he was born in Roman Britain in the 4th century, so that's a long time ago, into a wealthy family. His father was a deacon. His grandfather was a priest in the Christian church. At 16, he was kidnapped by Irish raiders and taken as a slave to Gaelic Ireland. He spent six years there working as a shepherd, and during this time he found God. It says that God told Patrick to flee to the coast where a ship would be waiting to take him home, and after making his way home, Patrick went on to become a priest as well. Then he returned to Ireland to convert the pagan Irish to Christianity and spent many years evangelizing in the northern half of Ireland and converted uh, thousands, and March 17th commemorates the date of his death. So, Parallels to Moses. I don't think this is too much of a stretch. So both were raised by wealthy families. By the way, I think one of the themes that kind of came across to me as I was doing uh, this lesson, which we're going to be in Exodus 10 and parts of Exodus 11, and this is, um, it was very tempting to jump on into chapter 12 because that's, you know, chapter 11 kind of just prepares us but it, in these next several weeks, um, we're going to hear about, you know, the 10th plague and the death and so forth. But we're also going to hear a lot about um, remembrances. And it just made the point to me, you know, memories are, are fickle things, right? And I think God knew that. And so we need reminders. So Passover, of course, is... Uh, was an event, but also is a is an ongoing reminder. Uh, so here we have um, St. Patrick's Day serving as a reminder of something. Um, so uh, it just 
that was banging around in my head. Anyway, so both were raised by wealthy families, uh, St. Patrick and Moses. Both had godly parents. Both left the home where they were raised. Both found God working as shepherds. Both were called away from their stable lives to bring a message of God's deliverance. Uh, I'm sorry, a message of deliverance to God's people. It's bad when you mess up things that you actually wrote yourself. <laughs> um, both were called away from their stable lives to bring a message of deliverance to God's people. And God's work in both is celebrated with a holiday. So uh, there you go. Uh, perhaps a little bit of a stretch, but uh, like I said, memories are fickle things. Um, and then one other uh, thing which I thought I would do just to kind of prime your ears a little bit, and part of this is in the hope that your ears will hear things that maybe I haven't said because the Holy Spirit does a much better job teaching than I do. But uh, I, I think most teachers uh, organize their lessons uh, better than I do because they usually start with their objectives, right, Pat? You start with your objectives, uh, which I probably should do but don't. Anyway, so here's some objectives. Number one, sometimes a single theologic event does not fit in a 30-minute time slot. So that was my lesson for today. Uh, the section that we're going to talk about really goes from the end of chapter 10 all the way through the end of chapter 13. That's just way too much material. So we're going to break it up into chunks. But anyway, sometimes God's message doesn't uh, fit in a small package. God's will is always done. God's timetable is not like ours. And our God is an awesome God, and there is no other. So hopefully uh, you'll uh, recognize some of those things as we go through. So first of all, um, this is maybe my third introductory <laughs> remark so far. I found something really interesting because I had not really thought about the timetable of the plagues. Now, who's watched the Ten Commandments on TV? I'm, I guarantee it's going to be on in a few weeks. Yeah. It is a really long movie. But it pales in comparison to how long the plagues really went on. And I didn't really know this, but at least one reasonable commentator laid it all out and said that the first plague probably started around June, and the tenth plague would be roughly the time period that we're in now, about ten months. That's a long time. Now remember, you can back it up even further from that, right? Because before the, before the plague started, Moses and Aaron had to... Uh, talk to Pharaoh and so forth. Before that, they had to talk to the people of Israel. Before that, they had to get on board together with what God was doing. Before that, the burning bush thing happened. And before that, the people of Israel requiring out, crying out rather to God to deliver us. So this whole thing has probably been going on for a year, maybe more. So that, that really struck me. And there's some... Um, I'm putting the um, study notes uh, uh, in, uh, on the link to the podcast. You can go through the timetable for those of you that are, uh, are interested in that. Uh, but this was, a, this was a really long time. So, you know, 
my timetable when I pray about some bind I'm in, um, I'm usually not expecting God to take a year. And maybe you guys are more patient than I am, but I'm, I'm expecting something sooner. Like, no. <laughs> like when I say amen, would be, <laughs> would be a really good, a really good um, timetable. Apparently, God's timetable is not like mine. Um, go figure. All right, chapter 10 of Exodus. We're going to start a little bit with, uh, I guess, verse 21, the, the ninth plague, which is darkness. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. One of my favorite phrases so far. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Your little ones may also go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. But Moses says, You must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord. Our livestock must all, uh, also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. Now, Probably all of chapter 11 takes place now, after verse 27. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Um, somewhere in there, chapter 11 that we're going to talk about happens. Then Pharaoh said to him, get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face you shall die. Moses says, back at you, buddy. I will not see your face again. There is one other meeting. Um, I'm not sure it's actually a face-to-face -face meeting. Uh, in chapter 12, we'll find that Pharaoh summons Moses. Uh, I'm not sure if they had a face-to-face. -face. Maybe there's intermediaries. Maybe it was just dark and they didn't see each other's face. I'm not sure. But in any event, um, as... Moses and Aaron are about to take their leave of Pharaoh. Uh, one commentator says, uh, put it this way, that he pictures Moses saying, oh, by the way, here's what's coming next. So, chapter 11. And, uh, again, many commentators say that the NIV gets the Hebrew especially good here. Um, the ESV that I use says, the Lord says... To Moses, I think the NIV says, the Lord had said to Moses. Is that right? Um, meaning that the verses that are following refer to a prior conversation. And that kind of makes the timing fit better um, even. Um, so, the Lord said to Moses, or the Lord had said to Moses, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. And afterward, he'll let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask, every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor, for silver and gold jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servant and in the sight of the people. So, 
we know that there were 10 plagues. We've seen the movie, right? We've heard the stories. Uh, we've been to Sunday school, some of us. Moses didn't know how many plagues there were going to be until now. And God says, this is going to be the last one. So think about Moses. He's been doing this for 10 months. For all he knows, it, this could be a long gig. He really has no idea. Of course, it's going to get really long, um, for sure. But this was, um, as I say, not the beginning of the end, but the end of the beginning, for sure. Turn back to Genesis chapter 15. Under the objective, God's will will be done, or God finishes what he starts. Genesis 15, chapter I'm sorry, verse 13. During the vision that where God speaks to Abram, before he's even Abram, Abraham, says, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, check, and will be servants there, check, and they will be afflicted for 400 years, check, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they shall come out with great possessions. So this was prophesied all the way back that they are not going to leave empty-handed. So many prophecies that are in there, and, and we've seen those come to pass, but even this command or this um, prophecy is fulfilled in this instruction where it says um, you should ask for silver and gold jewelry. Um, we get a little bit more of this. Turn back to Exodus, this time to chapter 3. Exodus 3, we're going to be looking at verse 21. We have more of the prophecy with a little bit more um, detail or additional detail here. Exodus 3, 21, and it says, uh, this, is, this is God speaking to Moses now. And I will give the, this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So it was prophesied to Abraham, prophesied also to Moses about this bit of instruction, and we're going to find out more about that uh, in the coming uh, chapters. Back to chapter 11, verse 3, leading up. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, as it was prophesied. Moreover, Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. So think about this. The people of... This is really a miracle right here, right? The people of Israel have... I'm, I'm sorry, the people of Egypt have been experiencing plague after plague for about 10 months and they still think Moses is a good guy. Does that make any sense at all? It makes no sense at all except God. The Lord gave the people favor in sight of the Egyptians. 
That was a miracle right there. You don't normally think highly of someone who has brought economic disaster on the entire country unless something weird is going on. Verse 4. This is where Moses is basically explaining to Pharaoh, here's what's going to happen. So Moses says, thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, to the firstborn of the slave girl, who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you, and after that, I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger, and the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Now, if you don't think Egypt was a pagan place, if you look at the archaeology stuff, they really thought a lot of cats. They did not think much of dogs. Clearly, this was a God-forsaken country. They had it totally backwards. I think scripture proves that. It's, maybe, I don't know. That may be a stretch. That may be a stretch. So what do we think about this? So we have this announcement against the firstborn. Why was Moses placed in the river? Because the Pharaoh was going to kill the firstborn Males, right? Right. All of them. So this concept of um, this is Exodus one twenty two. Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Um, This pronouncement was going to apply to all Egyptians, not just Pharaoh, from the top to the bottom. And you might say, well, is that fair? Well, by definition, God is fair. So if God said it, then by definition, it was fair. But certainly the Pharaoh was the representative there. Now, of course, this is a different Pharaoh, right? That Pharaoh was gone that put out this decree, but... This new Pharaoh, which, again, the archaeologists tell us, and this might tell you something. This also was some additional insight to me as we are up to this final plague. Do you know how old the Pharaoh was that Moses had been talking to? Maybe. One, one commentator says he may have been as young as 22. So if you think about the arrogance of a cocky 22-year-old, some of this starts to make a little more sense, right? You think nothing can happen to me. 
And this Pharaoh, every Pharaoh was brought up to think they were God. It just kind of starts to make a little more sense. So this applied to all the Egyptians. It applied to all the cattle. And it especially hit the firstborn. Again, this fulfills what was already told. So go back to Exodus 4. Exodus 4, verse 21. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So Moses knew, not only because God told him this was going to be the last one, but he knew that, that this was coming. Right? He knew that this was coming that God's ramping it up, God's ramping it up, that he and Aaron probably had the conversation, you know, this was a pretty bad plague, but, you know, we haven't talked about the firstborn son yet, or the firstborn yet. Um, it raises a possibility that Pharaoh may not have had, even had a son when this whole thing started but may have had one by the time it finished who knows I don't know how old his son was but if he was in his 20s probably not that old I just found all these kind of features you know they're it's different than the movie right I mean is it Yul Brenner that was the, the Pharaoh you know he wasn't he wasn't a cocky 23 year old or 22 year old whatever um so, this fulfills a prophecy. I guess we'll finish out the chapter, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of this land. I left off one verse. I don't know why I did this. Um, verse 8. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And it says Moses went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. You don't usually see that. Uh, but uh, Moses was probably exasperated and angry that it was coming to this. I mean, he knew it was coming to this, but probably just was amazed at the cockiness of this of this guy, especially since he knew what was coming. As this plague is about to unfold, which we'll get to next week, we talked a little bit uh, last time we were in Exodus that these plagues start to really um, attack the 
the underpinnings of the whole Egyptian religion. Um, Pharaoh was considered a deity. We see every plague is basically show the limitations of Pharaoh's power. The plague of darkness, where the sun even was not powerful enough to make it where you could even see someone face to face, because nobody could see each other. He was considered the son of the sun god, so the sun was dealt with. I don't understand all the Egyptian mythology, but apparently um, this goddess Osiris was uh, in charge of, um, you would basically pray to this goddess for the safety of your children. So clearly attacking the firstborn deals away with that deity. Um, cattle were honored. They got included in this death, in this plague. So over and over, God's saying, nope, more powerful than you. Nope, more powerful than you. Nope, more powerful than you. It's no wonder that the Egyptians were ready to see him leave. Occasionally, we come across things where um, you have the opportunity of a conversation starter with someone who doesn't know much about the Bible. Possibly some of the parallels between, between St. Patrick and Moses might be a conversation starter uh, for next St. Patrick's Day. Um, but how often do you hear in... Um, just the general culture of America, this concept of karma. About karma? What do people what do people think of when they talk about karma? So it's kind of a it's an Indian, you know, uh, concept, Buddhist, Taoism, whatever the Eastern religion you want to pick, but this concept that that if you do something good, then it's going to give you a benefit down the road. Or if you do something bad, it's going to be to your detriment down the road. Um, of course, in some of the flavors of Hinduism and so forth, there's this whole reincarnation component to it and everything. But what they call karma was a Bible call. You reap what you sow, right? So, um, Dr. Wearsby uh, talks about this, the law of compensation, which I thought was interesting. So here we have compensation happening to Pharaoh's household for what happened with Pharaoh before. Listen to these examples. Compensation is a fundamental law of life. I'm quoting here. God isn't unjust in permitting this law to operate in the world. Pharaoh drowned the Jewish baby, so God drowned Pharaoh's army. We'll get to that, right? 
Jacob lied to his father Isaac, and years later, Jacob's sons lied to him. David committed adultery and had the woman's husband murdered. pastor talked about that recently. And David's daughter was raped and two of his sons were murdered. Haman built a gallows on which to hang Mordecai, but it was Haman who was hanged there instead. And then the verse, Galatians, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows that he will also reap. So the next time in casual conversation, somebody mentions karma, you kind of let them know, you know, that's not, that's not Hinduism. That's not lives. That's just the way the world works. Actions do have consequences. And not uncommonly, in fact, we could probably say because of God's grace otherwise, our actions do have consequences down the road, and God can use those for blessing or for cursing. So just another way of connecting, and the Bible is full of those. One of the things I loved about uh, the message last week was the encouragement to take what we do here outside of these walls. And sometimes it's just a casual conversation. We're heading into a season where all of America and really all the world is looking, is moving toward religious holiday. Um, even something as with the, the debauchery of Mardi Gras and Carnival, um, it's a religious conversation starter, this concept of Lent, which I thought was interesting that apparently St. Patrick's Day is an official observance in the Catholic Church, but you get to suspend your Lent for that day. So you can, you can party and drink all you want, apparently, on St. Patrick's Day because you've got official uh, uh, furlough because you've already done Lent for 10 days, and um, I guess you'd need a break. I guess that's, <laughs> that's the way that works. Um, there's always a loophole, I guess. Um, anyway, so... I don't know if we got all our, our, our objectives or not, but um, God's will is always done, right? How many prophecies did we look at? God said, yep, we're going to do that. God's timetable is probably not like ours. There could be some hard days before our deliverance. What were the Egyptians doing? Or I'm sorry, what did what were the Egyptians instructed to do the very first time Moses says to let my people go? You get your own straw. You make your bricks with your own straw. It's gonna get harder. And by the way, production's going up. So while we're waiting for God to work out his purposes, it could get hard before it gets better. And then, of course, our God is an awesome God. There is no other. Every false God was dealt with. God is superior to all of those gods that the Egyptian has. He's superior to all the false gods that we tend to have as well. All right, chapter 12. I'm not sure who's going to have that. Dad and I will arm wrestle for it, I guess. Um, any thoughts on chapter 11? Ken. You mentioned karma earlier, and I became aware of a series of interviews with Bono, the rock star. 
some time ago. Okay. And he does a comparison between karma and grace. Interesting. So go to your favorite search engine, just look up Bono, Karma, Grace, and you will be reading for hours. Right. Fascinating interviews. And he's Irish, right? Hmm? Is Bono, is he Irish? I have no idea. I think he might be. Anybody else? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are an awesome God, that you finished what you started in these first two books of the Bible, you show yourself to be a God who knows what's going on, a God who uh, brings purposes to your glory. Uh, help us to take confidence in the whole rest of the Bible where you promise not to leave us or to leave undone the things that you want to do for us. We thank you for your grace that changes those consequences that we might otherwise have created. And we thank you for your son in his name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.